This is The Fit Mess with Zach and Jeremy. The focus of our conversation this week is no matter where you are in your struggle toward better wellness, better fitness, whatever your goals are, taking them one step at a time. I know this is a lesson that I have to keep teaching myself over and over again. Uh, and, and ironically, even just in my physical fitness right now, a lot of the work that I'm doing is just walking. So literally for me right now, a lot of the work that I'm doing is one step at a time and trying to just stay present, trying to stay aware of what I'm able to do, what I'm willing to do, what I have time to do, what the snow on the ground is allowing me to do. Remembering that that what I'm working toward is a long-term goal, is something that is not going to happen overnight, is the way that I stay grounded and the way that I keep working toward those goals. Because if I expected you know, to go for a walk for an hour today and wake up tomorrow 20 pounds lighter, I'm going to give up really quickly. Um, you mean that's not how it works? Uh, evidently not. For, hmm. 44 years of experience shows that that's not the way it works. Damn. <laughs> um, but this is something that I've I've learned over and over again. Every time I've gotten to you know to my mountaintop, whatever goal I'm trying to reach, I look back down the hill and I go, "Damn, I did a lot of things." And then I'll you know take it for granted. I'll fall off the off the hill, end up back at the bottom. Look at all the steps I have to take and get overwhelmed. And then remember that it starts with just that first step. Well, and also when you're rolling back down the hill, you you pick up some bruises along the way <laughs> yeah. that don't heal very quickly. Not at all. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. And I make that mistake myself too. Whenever I get to the peak, there's 25 different things that are happening that are getting me there. There's, you know, the right, you know, eating, the the right working out, the the right mindfulness, all of that stuff. When you build it slowly, one piece at a time, adding one thing every couple of weeks, maybe, or every three weeks, you know, small steps that are easy, it's doable. It's small, um, bite-sized pieces, but, but yeah, when you, when you do fall and you lose a dozen of them and you look back and you try and put them all back in place at once, it usually leads to rolling down the hill even further. I find that too. And I think we even talked about this last week with uh, Jaya Jaya just that idea that you know you you sort of implement all these uh, tools that are helping you reach your goal. And for me, if I if I fall off of one of them, it is just dominoes. The one knocks down the rest, and and I do I end up back at square one. And I look at that list of things that I was doing, the things I was building up towards, and when they've all fallen down, it can be so intimidating to get back on the horse and, and to take that first step. But it literally is that first step every single time if you do one thing it will almost always lead to more and more steps towards your goals. So what's your what's your one thing whenever you fall off? What's the one thing you start with? It really depends. If if it's physical fitness, it's typically walking because that is the easiest thing I can do. I can put on a pair of shoes and I can go for a walk around the block. Mm-hmm. If it's eating, it's fasting because there's nothing I like better than doing nothing. <laughs> if 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 the thing that I have to do is nothing, Count me in. I can do that. I can give that my all. Yeah. Um, if I want to get a little bit deeper, uh, I'll I'll try and force myself to start meditating. And that's that's while it's very simple, is some of the hardest work because that is when the darkness really shows itself. That's when the things that are holding me back, the obstacles, whatever they are, that's when they are truly revealed. So I have to kind of be a little bit more uh, emotionally and mentally prepared to to dive into that because I know that once I'm ready to sit on the cushion, that that's when the real work is going to begin. And so I, I sort of need to to build myself up to that. 
Yeah. How about you? Mine, yeah, mine's yoga. At, yeah. Every time. Because it ticks a few of the boxes, right? It's, I, I enjoy it. It's meditative and it's physical exercise. And, you know, the mobility too, right? I, if, if I've gone a while without doing yoga, I can tell my body just goes, oh, you're not doing yoga? Well, guess what? We're going to lock up on you and you're not going to be able to move your elbow. <laughs> and like something weird like that. Like currently my left elbow is all out of whack right now. Um, but yeah, definitely yoga. That's, that's like my number one go-to is just get back into yoga, do that for a few weeks, then take a look at the diet. If I'm not getting everything I need for my food, then I make sure I'm supplementing appropriately and getting all the nutrients that I need. But in the midst of it all, probably the one thing that may feel like it's, you know, this seems like such a small thing, but just bringing back my sense of gratitude and I, and I joke about it, right? People are always like, Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, well, I woke up this morning. That's positive. <laughs> but really unpack that. Yeah. You're alive. Be grateful for that. Be yeah. thankful that you actually did wake up, that you get another day with your family, that you get another day doing the things that make you feel shitty so that you can fix them. Having gratitude in the middle of all this stuff has just got to be one of the most important things for me because Without it, I go into that dark hole of like, why am I really here? Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Who cares why I'm here? I'm here. Yeah. And I'm thankful for it. It's funny. I, I try to journal every day and, and in my little boxes that I fill out, one of them is the three, the three things I'm grateful for. And ever since we talked uh, in November, I believe it was, to Christy Nelson, the author of Wake Up Grateful, uh, one of the things that came up was what you just said. That, that having gratitude for just having another day to, to get another, you know, spin around the globe that, that is from a universal perspective, so incredibly rare. That is something I write down more and more because when you do take a step back and, and I've, I've, I found this in nature too, that the smaller you can make yourself, the smaller your problems become. So if you can surround yourself with ocean, mountains, massive trees that have been around for, you know, hundreds of years longer than you, decades longer than you. If you can really realize your place in the universe, all of those problems and all the stuff that you let weigh you down also suddenly get so much smaller. And that that has been one of the keys in the last few months since I, uh, I, I believe she was the one that pointed that out. It's just talking about uh, being grateful for just having another day has so much impact on the way you can approach your day. Yeah. I try and take it back even further sometimes of just being grateful to be alive. I saw a stat the other day that said something to the effect of your chances of just being born are equal to being struck by lightning 14 times in your lifetime. Oh my God. Just the fact that you're alive, not even that you're getting another day, but the fact that you were born, got to experience something on this planet is like just amazing to me. Well, since we're getting a little bit woo-woo in this conversation, which uh, was not necessarily the goal, uh, it's a great place for us to transition to our conversation with our guest this week. Her name is Ava Rockwell. She's the founder of the Rockwell School of Holistic Medicine. We cover a lot of ground in a very short conversation, but one of the things that was most fascinating to me about her school is that they offer a course on spiritual medicine 
which I found fascinating. I've never heard of anything like that in, in a school setting before. So we talk about that. We talk about uh, the ver various supplements that you can and should be taking to ward off cancers and, and COVID and all kinds of diseases. And our conversation began with uh, sort of her upbringing and, and how that carved out a path for her to want to start her own school of holistic medicine to share different methods you can use to achieve your goals. I got into this field because, well, I've always um, kind of practiced holistic um, health and natural medicine on my own. I grew up ginseng digging with my father and taking supplements from my aunts, and they were all obsessed with the latest health craze. Mm -hmm. So we kind of started very young. And then whenever I had my daughter and she was having some health issues, it kind of brought me back to it. And that's kind of how I got where I'm at now. So take us on on the leap from that to starting the uh, Rockwell School of Holistic Medicine. Well, there just there were not any programs that at the time that I, they were just dated and like using nutrition books from like literally 1982 and stuff like that. And um, there's no book that's like that good. You know what I mean? Unless it's like Aesop's Fables. <laughs> right, right. So anyway, I was just like, oh my God, do not tell me I have to create my own school. But that's what I was being told internally. So I did it. And now there's a lot more programs out there, especially at actual colleges, whereas until recently, you could not even do a minor or a major in alternative medicine. You know, and now certain universities are offering that, but it's still few and far between. And our curriculum is still unique even so, but the more the merrier because people need this kind of stuff. A lot of people have heard holistic medicine and know what it is, but one of the programs that you have is spiritual medicine, which yeah. I, I don't think a lot of people have heard about. So could you tell us more about that? Sure. So spiritual medicine is definitely what I would call fringe, super fringe medicine. Um, and it falls outside of like naturopathy, herbalism, and what I'm terming advanced holistic nutrition. So spiritual medicine kind of takes you across the globe and shows you various religions, spiritual aspects, things that people have heard. They don't really know what they mean, like realized beings and saints and aesthetics. But we also go into the medicine aspects like spiritual reasons why people might be sick because sometimes you can explore every physiological aspect and that it's still not it you're not hitting it and it's something spiritual but some people do believe in it and some people don't believe in it so if they don't believe in it you know obviously they don't have to apply it but other people know that it's more it's deeper than like the lab results you know Mm -hmm. yeah, that's fascinating because that's something that comes up a lot on our show is uh, we have we've talked to so many people that that so often point out that many of our physical ailments, our pains, our illnesses are actually rooted in some past trauma, some some inner uh, experience that they haven't yet processed in some way. Is that sort of what you're getting at is, is sort of rooting out those those uh, traumas and, and, and dealing with those to treat the uh, what is essentially the symptom of, of the problem? Yes, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Whenever I studied this book called Outrageous openness by a woman named Tosha Silver. Um, I was already super weird and spiritual, but her book, she talks about her mother having um, what she would, I don't, I don't want to speak for her, but it seemed to come, came across to me like a karmic illness. And it was, it was bizarre, you know, but that was her story. That was her mom's story and they're sticking to it. And it, it was bizarre and weird, but I'm just like, you know, it's so true. Also, not only that, it's like toxic relationships. Like if you grew up with it in a toxic environment and your voice wasn't heard or um, you did it, you chose not to maybe because of your nature, not to speak up or speak out. I, I do think that these things can and do lead to illness. 
So on that topic, I, as of a few years ago, before I got on this journey of taking care of myself, uh, I considered myself primarily an atheist to believe that all of this is an accident and we're all on a rock right? flying through space. On a fellow yeah, misanthrope. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> and and the, the more I've delved into this, the more that I still, uh, several years later, wrestle at times with how how can this be? Like, I've, right. I've seen things. It's I've such felt a mess. Things. You must be an Aquarian or something. I am an Aquarius. Like, You're absolutely right. You? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. You expect more, don't you? Yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, even even last night, I was out walking my dogs. And, and in the middle of it, I was... I was denying experiences that I've had, denying things that I've seen and felt and just gone, well, I, you know, it's not a shared experience that someone else has seen. So maybe I'm just making this up. Do you ever wrestle with that or how, how do you address that? <laughs> um, wow. Okay. I, I really, really struggle with it, to be honest. And that's not the kind of typical question I would really expect. <laughs> so from, we, get a, we get a little weird here sometimes. Sorry. Yeah, that's deeply <laughs> spiritual stuff. So yes, I really have struggled with it. The misanthropic side of just like, oh my gosh, are you know, these really negative thoughts in terms of humanity. And then at the, on the other hand, at the one-on-one -on -one level, you know, I identify with the homeless guy in the street and I really relate to him, you know, and there's like a common unity, a oneness. So I have been kind of like you, I explored all the religions and I explored all of the um, cults too, and cults and religions, because if you know much about cults, you know, all religions were originally cults, mm -hmm. at least if you're going to go by the educational definitions. Right, but right. I kind of came to this place and actually recently I had this epiphany, like even though I defined God on in really loose terms. Um, for, for a long time, like I would consider myself a fellow agnostic atheist for a large portion of my life. And um, that'll get you damned real quick by most of society. So there's a big secret about me. But recently, I have been re-inspired to realize that and coming to God, and I could say goddess too, but to me, God encompasses all of it. For But for a long time, it represented a masculine colonized idea. Um, but now I'm, I'm really grounded and I just feel like God or whatever this essence is of life. And when, cause I have had many miracles happen. Maybe you have too. Um, and to me, that kind of is like godlike stuff. And I have had many, I've had a lot of atheists in my life. And when you talk to them about miracles, I mean, they semi scoff at you, you know, it's, it's coincidence, but with all of my atheist friends, one thing they all have in common is a supreme cynicism, a supreme negativity. And in my opinion, a supreme lack of faith. And it's a hard way to live in my opinion. So for myself, I kind of just recently had a, what I would say, a coming back to God. Again, it's super loosely defined. And even though technically before I was like, well, you can have your own definition of God. For myself, it was really missing. Even like deep inside, even though I said, oh yeah, you know, whatever. I was just like something, it was really hard for my mind to wrap around. And now I'm kind of like, you know, life is so short. I'm just, I just don't want to be that total cynical atheist. I do have hope. And, you know, you're, you sound like the kind of people or person who is like me, I would love to start a, an experimental, like intentional community where people do the work they want to do and have all the material things that they want. And everybody's just, you know, happy and not stressed. But you sound like one of those people who would be on my forums for like perfect societies and utopia. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's the same for me where, where I wrestle with what that God is, because I, 
you know, I, I wasn't raised in a, in a Christian faith, but I was exposed to it a lot in my teens. And so that created a lot of uh, conflict for me as I've gone on this path, because I, I see this as, as so much bigger than any one God. And, and I don't mean to get for this to get as, as religious or as spiritual as it's gotten, right. but I just think it's fascinating. And uh, yeah, so, I'm glad you like that program. Thank you for bringing it up. It's kind yeah. of our, our little outcast black sheep. <laughs> Some people are like, you really need to delete this program. And I'm like, we can't. It's part of the medicine core, you know? I'm a logical being. I love to find an answer for everything. But over the last, you know, 10 years ago, I would have called myself crazy. But there really is like this shared energy. And I want to use, I want to make a Star Wars joke here, but there right. is a shared energy that we all have. And, you know, as recently as last right. week, I saw my wife know that something was happening in the world before we knew about it. So it it is really amazing, like just how connected we all are. And, you know, again, 10 years ago, I would have called myself crazy, but I'm on the train now. You have a right to grow, evolve and change your mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I will tell you guys, before we move on, if you want like a mind blower, read um, the book called Be Here Now, if you haven't already. Oh, yeah. Yep. Have you read it? Oh, yes. Yes. I'm, I'm a big fan. Yes. It's beautiful, right? Yes, absolutely. I've Excellent. sent it to several people. I love that book. You too. Okay. So have you read the follow-up by the the star of the book? It's called It's Here Now, Are You? The Blonde. You know, the tall blonde guy? He yeah, no, wrote I have not. Too. You have to go read it. It's incredible. Okay. I will. I will yeah. And then we can have list. another interview after that because it will blow your mind. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, so moving on to, to some of the, um, the more holistic medicine uh, th- realms that, that you work in, particularly now as seemingly, according to the numbers, uh, COVID numbers seem to be on, on the decline. The world is preparing to start opening back up. Uh, what, what are you recommending to people uh, to, to boost their immune system, to, to prepare their bodies to the onslaught of various germs and things that we'll be exposed to that we've sort of been hidden away from for the last year? So, you know, I can't treat, diagnose, or prescribe because I'm not a licensed uh, medical professional, but I am a traditional health practitioner. And what I do for myself and my family, um, for example, uh, someone close to me got COVID. And when someone you know or love has that you care about gets sick, you will pull out all the stops to make sure that they survive because people believe it or not, and you probably already believe it, die within sometimes five, seven to 10 days after getting COVID. And you never know by based on their age, it's there's no givens at all, period. You just never know what strain they got, et cetera, et cetera. So the big thing that I, I encourage all my family to do right now is to take, I take two NACs a day in acetylcysteine. And um, there are better brands than others. Um, I think I'm using Life Extension now. Um, I used to use this other brand, and I, I didn't feel like it really did anything. But I would I would give it another try. But I can't remember the name of it anyway. But what it does is it's been studied extensively for the last 20 years. And what they've discovered, even recently, studies with it with COVID and influenza, that people that are taking NAC regularly. Um, and, and real quickly, catch it catches up on what NAC is. NAC is called is N-acetylcysteine. It's a precursor to glutathione, which is the master antioxidant in our bodies. And it, but it helps with so many things. It's kind of like there are certain uh, plant mineral elements that do a lot, and other things that only do one targeted action. 
N-acetylcysteine or NAC or NAC, it kind of does everything. So studies show that people that are taking it, um, 80% of some 80% of infected people will be asymptomatic. Can you believe? Can you wrap your mind around that? That's and crazy. of the 20, only 25% of the people not taking it will be asymptomatic to COVID and or influenza. But wow. it, it, so N-acetylcysteine is incredible. Um, selenium, they're saying that um, one of the reasons so many dangerous and deadly viruses come out of China and make it out of the communities is because the entire animal and human population is deficient in what? Selenium. M- mind-blowing, right? So people really need selenium and they're also not getting enough iodine. Iodine is now being used in all med extreme fringe medicine from Dr. Circus as a vaccine for children. Now, that's really a radical thing to say, but what I'm I'm saying more clearly is that some people are experimenting with using iodine as an antiviral, an extreme antiviral and a possible like replacement for vaccination. Now, that I am like super middle of the fence on vaccinations. That's a obviously like a 3-day different topic. But iodine is so incredible for your body in terms of fighting cancer. And I'm not making outrageous claims. This is all proved in the data. Um, but so I would have, I have my family on iodine and selenium because you can't really take iodine without selenium. The only contraindications are if you do take iodine, if you have nodules on your thyroid bed, then you want to wait till those are removed or reduced before taking iodine. But iodine really should ha- be taken with selenium. The other thing is vitamin A and D. And the best source of that is either organ meats like liver, liverwurst, or um, cod liver oil because, but you need virgin cod liver oil because if you're not doing virgin, uh, you're probably getting synthetic vitamin D re-added to the cod liver oil, which naturally has them in virgin cod liver oil naturally occurring in the right ratios. Because if you don't have vitamin A and D in the right ratios, you know, that can be a problem. I know some people have really plummeting vitamin D levels and their doctors put them on a temporary heavy spike of vitamin D. But they should be supplementing with vitamin A with that or just using virgin cod liver oil, in my opinion. So those are the few things that I would do. Those are probably the four chief things. And then I would say skull cap tincture from the from the beginning until your symptoms are probably gone, you know? Wow, that that's a, that's a lot. It can save lives, I think. The evidence is showing that, not my claim, just so you know. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm actually on a, a, an interesting kick right now because typically I label myself as a supplement junkie. You know, I love experimenting with with right. different things and how it makes me feel, which is really weird because right now I'm I actually ran out and just forgot to order a whole bunch. So I'm actually not taking anything right mm-hmm. now, like not even a multivitamin, not my I typically take like krill oil or and in turmeric, right. things like that. And I don't feel right. Like my body doesn't feel right. It's yeah, it's very interesting. It could be psychosomatic for me, but you know, I, I am big on giving my body what it needs because I find it really hard to get it all from food. You know, it's so funny because I did a pre-chat interview. It was a total epic fail yesterday with some guy and he did not like the fact that I was, he was like, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, well, for first of all, NAC is vital for COVID patients. And he's like, 
oh, well, I graduated from the fun- from FDN, Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. And I'm like, yeah, our so did our Advanced Holistic Nutrition Director. And we're like probably going to be partnering with that school soon. I'm like, he's like, and they're like, you know, no, no supplements. So that's like a bad thing. And I'm like, but the girl you just had on, she was telling you about the supplements she liked, you know? He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but she's a pharmacist. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you that if you need a supplement, take it. They're, it's very controversial and they can be dangerous, you know, like since synthetic vitamin A, they've attributed that to increase lung cancer rates. There are problems, but at the same time, I, I just, I would rather take some than none. And sometimes you have to take a vitamin forever. Like in my opinion, iodine, everyone needs a lifetime on iodine. And if you're in, interested in stocks, I want to, for myself, buy iodine commodities stock because it is going to skyrocket. Once this word gets out, how it can prevent like 70% of cancers, mm-hmm. you know, prostate, endocrine, breast, thyroid, because it's, our body is full of iodine receptors and instead fluoride, bromide, and chlorine are all sitting on these receptors and they're aggravating cancer rates like mad, you know, but this is really controversial information. And I agree with you. Like, you know, I think supplements are good. Some are forever, some are temporary, you know, but I'm not one of those people that are like, you take supplements for life, no matter what, or you never take supplements, no matter what. I'm really not down with extremism, you know? Yeah. I I really, I really like to experiment with it and and, and find out if it's actually yeah, yeah. helping me. I feel you. But one of the things that, that some supplements do help me with is my stress level. And this year has been stressful for a lot of people, myself included. I have an extremely unhealthy relationship with ice cream and, um, you know, okay. a lot of stress eating happening. And there okay. was definitely some weight gain. And I think a lot of people are experiencing that right. um, this year. So why are we eating okay. when we're stressed out and and why is why is it so hard to stop doing that at this point? Since I mean, COVID is kind of going away a little bit, and hopefully, there's light at the end of the tunnel. But I feel like some people are still stress eating, just like they were back in April. Okay, so I am a binge eater. I have binge eating disorder, mm-hmm. and um, even though that's no longer a classification in the DM, the new DMS five, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, it's still you know it takes a while for translational medicine to get to everybody that. Beds, binge eating disorder syndrome is no longer a thing and it's classified as like a nighttime disorder, which it does usually occur at night, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right? But I'm like, okay, everybody just admit it. We all have it, okay? It's so I don't weird. know. I have, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I'm, uh-huh. I'm perfect. He doesn't have it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true miracle. Okay. So, first of all, people that are addicted to sugar and see like sugar and dairy go, to, oh my God, that's a bad mix, right? Because then you have your fat and sugar versus just a fat or just a sugar. But I also had an eating ice cream addiction where I was eating, oh my God, I want to say like five gallons within like two days. I put in like 50 or 60 pounds because I was transferring addictions at the time. I didn't realize that from smoking to binge eating, right? So I picked up a lot of weight really quickly. And then I was like, wow, it was very hard to lose it. And that's how I learned a lot of the stuff I was going to talk to you about. But a brain that is addicted to sugar, and you know, there's varying levels. You can go, well, I'm not really addicted to sugar, but there are people that are. But for example, those people, their brains under like a scan look like it's been battered, like physically abused, just first of all. And Mm -hmm. sugar is eight times more addictive than cocaine. So we have that fun stat. But at the same time, the non-extremist like Susan Weed, she's a pioneering herbalist and she, you know, she's old school. She's like, sugar is the 
taste and the essence of life, you know, even if we're getting it through maple syrup or whatever, you know, the sweetness, right? Are we ever really going to be like, oh, I'm never going to eat anything sweet again? Well, yes, the zero carbers will say that. They only eat steaks for 20 years and they look like they are 20 years younger than everybody else. But for myself, I can't go more than four days like that. Mm-hmm. So why we're eating so much, there's a couple of reasons. One of them, people are stressed about money. And that's why I would love to have an intentional community where we could create or explore and test out this model of living where people are not stressed living hand to mouth and they're able to be involved in their communities in terms of politics and what goes on and what goes down. So we're not all just the blind leading the blind. Um, The other issue is toxic relationships drive us to eat. And if we have a fight with our kid or spouse, you know, the best thing is some chips some French fries, calm everybody down. And you need two or three days to recover, get your hormones back down to normal, kind of calming those genes down, like petting an upset cat or dog. But the thing is, is like every time that happens, we're triggered to go and get those serotonin and dopamine chemicals from those foods, the potatoes, the sugar, whatever it is, get our hit, right? It's our drug. That's how we cope. And when we're in these toxic relationships that go up and down, like, for example, in a relationship with a narcissist who's constantly messing with your head, it will put on 25 pounds every time quickly. So um, and it'll take three years to lose it and you'll put it on in like three months. But the other issue is if you even remove all those toxic relationships, any amount of stress, we are we default to that binge eating pattern. And what we have to start doing is getting healthier foods in us. And at some point, we have to draw the line and be like, okay, I'm on day seven of binging, I've picked up eight pounds. This is me literally this week, I'm on day two of uh, recoup. And I've lost literally, I'm not kidding. I was, you know, 130 yesterday, and I'm 125 today and like five pounds of water weight, inflammation, And that's one day of not eating refined sugar and refined carbohydrates. I had like a pound of salmon, a pound of um, asparagus, and I had like two tablespoons of butter, which if you, that's a lot of calories, right? But I'm still down six pounds from eating potato chips, potatoes, whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of, I think that we str- I think that we stress eat for stress and we don't know how to draw the line and be like, when is enough enough? And sometimes it takes two years of binge eating, you know, it's, or sometimes you're going to go back and forth, you know, you're going to be good for three days, bad for four, bad for one. It really helps if you are in love and happy. It makes it easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and we hear so often that, you know, you can't out exercise a bad diet. So as right. we're looking to, to kind of take the one, two punch and, and eat a little better. Um, you know, one of the things that I recommend a lot is that if, uh, if someone's looking to start an exercise routine, it's just to do something that you will do every day, because it doesn't matter what it is if you're not doing it. So what, what do you uh, recommend to folks who are, okay. who are considering, so, okay, my, my gym's about to open up or I love yeah. running or whatever they're looking at? Right. How do they, how do they make this part of their routine? Okay. So real quick, just briefly about the binge eating. I will also, I just want to throw this in that, um, whatever we eat the most of our bacteria will increase for sugars or for healthy foods. So if you're eating more toxic foods, but this is more what I would say for more, like really more overweight people. But if you're relatively at a healthy weight, it's pro- I think it's really easy to get those gut bacteria generally back in order, unless you're a super animal antibiotic user. But I don't know if you guys know this, but two weeks of cod liver oil restabilizes the gut. But just so you know that, who would ever think that a cod liver oil would reset a gut microbiome? Not perfectly, but as perfect as it could be than it was. So as far as the exercises go, um, this is what I was going to talk to you guys about briefly. So uh, 10 years ago, when I was maybe like 12 or actually 13, when I was reading Younger You Next Year, if you guys have ever heard of the series, they've been around for a while. 
Um, they were talking about, well, this is what I was doing. I was getting up at 530 to go to the gym and I was doing treadmill for 45 minutes. You guys can imagine how much I was sweating because I was also overweight. And guess what? I wasn't losing any weight and I wasn't eating donuts either. So when I read this book, they talk about um, the stress response. Whenever you overexert, it activates the primal brain, which causes you, well, that's kind of what they say, uh, starvation mode or messing up your metabolism. I think when people say that, this is kind of what they mean. And they don't realize that what they're alluding to is they've created the stress response in the body, the primal activation, which causes your body to think it's really hard for you to get food. So it retains everything that you do and it won't budge. So I was overexerting myself. I hated my workout. I hated the stair thing. I couldn't figure out why I was going to lose weight. And I actually almost totally gave up. And that's not like a good place to be. Then I, I started like realizing I needed to enjoy my workout. So whatever you're doing, you want to enjoy it. You want to love it. And it has to be a convenient time and easy. And I recommend multiple forms of workouts, like, you know, maybe three days a week, do a one to two mile walk. If you can do it every day and you have time and you want to do it. But if you have a dance class on, like I do dance classes on Mondays and Thursdays, and then Friday through Sunday, I try to walk I walk two miles, but if people can just walk five minutes, especially if you're diabetic and you have like, for example, um, I want to say pads, peripheral artery disease, just go walk five minutes, you know, or stretch in your bed for two minutes because that really does make a difference. And I would inspire people to just not give up, you know, if they can't do a whole mile or two miles. Any uh, kind of closing thoughts you want to um, send to people that are listening and, and where can we find out more about you and, and your school? So you can visit us at the School of Holistic Medicine, and we're going to do 50% off our iodine course. You can use the code FITMESS. And I would just say other things to explore when losing weight um, or getting fit would be um, to consider reducing inflammation with a gluten-free diet, even if it's a three-day to a two-week trial. Um, a lot of people have issues with grains, period, and experiment with that as well, and hidden food sensitivities like to nightshades or lectins, beans, things like these are like, things like those can really stall weight loss. And um, just do what you really like to do. Explore things like, you know, if it's a belly dance class or walking or running, whatever. All right. Our thanks to Ava Rockwell. She is the founder of the Rockwell School of Holistic Medicine. Uh, and again, very generous of her to offer a 50% discount on the iodine course. You can get that by using the uh, promo code FITMESS. And you can find the link to that on the show notes for this page at thefitmess.com. That was such a good interview. Um, uh, we covered so many different topics in there. And I think that really just reemphasizes, you know, what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, where in order to clean this mess up that we all have in our heads and our bodies, it's so many steps. It's so many little things that you have to do some big things, but it's so many things and, you know, trying to take them all on at once is going to be a failure. So just be sure that whatever you're doing, whatever you're trying that, that you're, you're starting small, you're doing baby steps, you're doing things that you can maintain as opposed to trying to take uh, the whole world on in one shot and then fail two days later. Yeah. Look for the easy win. You know, if it is just a 10 minute walk, start with that, do that for a week or two, then add five minutes, then, you know, maybe incorporate fasting, maybe meditate, whatever. But if you start with something small where you're going to have the win, then you're going to stay motivated to keep going. If you decide, I, you know, I'm going keto tomorrow and I'm going to work out an hour a day and I'm going to sleep eight hours a night and I'm going to meditate for half an hour a day, 
Well, all of a sudden your calendar is going to be really full of all the things that you're doing to take care of yourself. And you're going to forget to go to work and pick up your kids and feed them. So just look for the easy win because it will lead to more wins and it will have that compounding interest that helps you to reach the goals that you're trying to reach for yourself. Yeah. And if your step is pretty big, you know, if it's uh, you know, a 30 minute workout, which is terribly difficult to maintain, mm -hmm. right? Do that first thing in the morning, get it yeah. done as quickly as you possibly can. And then you just don't have to worry about it for the rest of the day. That is something that when, when I do work out 30 minutes a day or, or, or more, I know that if I don't do it early, it's just, it's the monkey on my back all day. It's taking up so much mental energy to go, when am I going to get this in? Should I do it at lunchtime? Oh, I might not be able to because I've got that call I've got to do. Oh, maybe I'll do it at two when I've got that break in between. All of a sudden you're just all day, you're spinning on when, when am I going to get this in? All of those things that you want to try and do for yourself, the earlier you get them done, the more accomplished you're going to feel. And that is just going to help perpetuate uh, the growth on the path that you're trying to build for yourself. Yeah. Have you ever heard that that story about if you have a glass jar and you've got some big stones and you've got some small stones and some sand and the stones and the sand represent all the things that you have to do hmm. in one day? No. And if you put the sand in first and then you put the medium ones in second, there's no room for the big rocks. Right. But if you put the big rocks in first, then you put the medium rocks in, then you put the sand in, it all fits. So like get the big things done first. Get the big, uh, Brian Tracy has a book called Eat the Frog, right? If you have a frog to do a really hard task mm -hmm. in front of you, do it first. Eat the frog first thing in the morning. That's a really good analogy. I like the, I like, I like that rock analogy. Well, well played, Zach. You know, I pick up a lot of useless information that sometimes I can regurgitate. <laughs> and that's what we're here for. <laughs> so I do like that analogy of the big rocks, the little rocks and, and all the sand. And I look at athletic brewing as the sand at the end of the day for me, right? I've eaten everything. I've done all my stuff. And then I top it all off with an athletic brewing company, oh, IPA, nice. something like that. No alcohol, delicious beer. And sponsors of the Fitness Podcast, which is reason alone to buy any and all of their products that they have available. You can do that on our website. Uh, and while you're there, please do subscribe uh, on whatever podcast player you're using. And do sign up for the newsletter so you never miss a thing uh, related to the show. All of that can be done at thefitmess.com. With that, we will wrap this one up and be back next week with a brand new episode. Thanks again for listening, subscribing, and for your ratings and reviews on whatever podcast player you're using. We will talk to you next week at thefitmess.com. See you, everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and does not seem to lack anything, but we do need a legal disclaimer. Jeremy and Zach are not doctors. They do not play them on the Internet, and even if they did play them on the Internet, they would be really bad at it. Please consult your physician prior to implementing any changes that you heard on this podcast. The listener assumes that Jeremy and Zach do not know what they are talking about and that you will do your own research on the topics talked about on this podcast.